But once you internalize it and you're like, oh, wow, my food is doing more than giving me energy. It's controlling how I'm thinking and how I'm feeling. It's like, What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at ovationup.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. <laughs> I am joined today by Molly McGrath. She is incredible. Molly and I met uh, uh, quite a while ago on LinkedIn, and I've been, uh, I was super impressed when I saw her profile, just been more impressed since then. Super grateful to have you on. Uh, and for those of you who don't know Molly, she's a culinary innovation leader with over 10 years of experience with some incredible brands um, through CSSI, The Chopping Block, and she also led the culinary efforts of the 40 locations, super cool roti. Um, she's currently the, uh, the chef and founder of light work kitchens and, uh, Molly, so excited to have you on. I'm so excited to be here, Zach. This is awesome. So first of all, let's talk about light, light work kitchens. Um, what, what is light work kitchens and, and why did you start it? Um, so, the connection between good health and home cooking and community was something that had been percolating in my head for a while. And with everything happening around COVID and 2020, the time felt really right to start something new. So in October, I founded Lightwork Kitchens. My business name is taken from the old saying that many hands make light work. And my oh, mission- yes. I get I was, ah. this whole time I was like, this is, it's such a good idea. It's like light. But I get yes. it. Light work. Okay. I'm light with you. Light work. Yes. Not to be confused with the many light works that are like actual lighting companies. <laughs> um, no, light work. Um, and my mission is to transform the essential task of cooking into light work by doing it together. So I do corporate wellness training, group events, online videos, just to help people understand why what we eat is so important and also how to feed themselves in the best way possible without spending hours in the kitchen. So that's what I, I'm all about. I love that because, you know, I've, I was never uh, a fan of cooking, not because I didn't love <laughs> cooking um, and not just because I was really bad at it, but because it takes like four hours to cook, 15 yeah. minutes to eat, and then an hour to clean up. And it's like, God, this is like, it just takes so much work for such a little yes. time. I was like, whatever, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna buy something <laughs> on the way home. Um, I but, think you add to that the kind of mental stress of people have like, but what am I going to cook? And when am I going to make it? And, and, you know, so there's just so many ways to reduce all of that noise and all of that effort. Um, you just have to sort of think about it a little differently. Yeah. And just like, you know, I love that many hands make light work because I, when I think of doing the dishes, right. Cause I, I, I normally, my wife, she's a stay at home mom. And when I, when I come home, she's usually, you know, feeding the kids or has made dinner. But when we yeah. clean, when we clean up, like if one of us cleans up, I feel like it takes an hour. If two of us clean up, I feel like it takes 15 minutes. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's this like weird exponentially re uh, time reduction when people work together, you know? And, totally. and I think part of it too has to do with the fact that um, the, the social, the sociality of it. You know, 100%. Cook, 
every Saturday we clean. And when we do cleaning, we don't just clean, we do a dance party and clean. So it takes like four times longer, but it's like 10 times more fun. Yeah. We have a special Spotify cleaning playlist. I'm glad we're not alone in this. Our our Saturday morning playlist, we, we put it on. Yes. We dance, we clean, and you know the, the little kids don't do too much, but we let them think they're helping, right? Yes. Uh, anyway, we so, should just zoom this together because my family's doing the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, it just makes it so much more fun, and I love that concept. So, and this makes total sense with your background, and and because you're not just someone who knows how to use a pan, you're someone who understands <laughs> the business of a kitchen super well. And that's something that you've done in your past. Like, for example, I know that at one of your roles, you were able to reduce cost of goods by 2% while maintaining quality and freshness. And like, how do you, how do you go about in terms of like mentally, let's, let's talk restaurants. And then I want to talk personal life in a restaurant. How do you go about that? How do you go about what's your strategy for thinking about reducing uh, cogs while not, you know, reducing profits or is um, reducing quality, excuse me. I think you have to lean into two things, but you really start with how can we simplify? You know, there's always in just about any task you're looking at, you know, restaurants or otherwise, there's usually a step in there or something that just, it just doesn't need to be there, right? Like, why mm. would you take that extra step? Why would you do those extra things? You know, um, for example, you know, we had a recipe once where you, you know, you, you peel the vegetable before, uh, peeled cucumbers before chopping them into something really small. Like, why would you bother peeling them? Like the peel looks nice. It adds green color. It tastes okay. You know, like, so it's just these extra steps that you just have to break things down into their smallest components and then ask, do you really have a reason to be here? You know, is there really a reason or um, can we skip it or can we reduce the ingredients? So in the sense of cogs was slightly different um, in this, that usually comes from just really paying attention to what you're doing, really managing what you're doing. You know, when you're trimming vegetables, are you trimming off more than you need to? When you're producing food, are you overproducing? So a lot of COGS is often just paying attention really closely in a specific way to what you're doing um, and not wasting too much. So when it comes back to the recipes, you're doing the same thing. You know, do you have extra ingredients? Do you have extra steps? Um, And if you reduce those things, you'll reduce the costs. Interesting. So in terms of like, you know, reducing the cogs, how often is it searching through suppliers to find a a cheaper ingredient? And how often is it, you know, something maybe process oriented? I think it totally depends on the ingredient and what you're trying to do. Um, You know, one example would be, you know, back in a former life, we had pitas that were sheeted and then baked fresh. Well, sheeters are a big mess. They get flour everywhere. They're a little bit unsafe. I mean, they do have protective guards, you know, a a dough sheeter, sorry, yeah, yeah. a dough sheeter. Um, You know, so to make an item that was free on a plate, it was a lot of effort um, when we found a pre-baked frozen item that customers liked just as much and possibly even better because it was more consistent because when you're working with fresh dough, it can be very inconsistent. So that's an opportunity where, um, you know, obviously a pre-made costs a little more, but you save in labor. So one example, totally different example, which people will laugh at me. um, I 
will never go for pre-cut carrots, which is silly. And plenty of people use them. But to me, when you break down not only the- Pre-cut carrots? Pre-cut carrots, which Uh a ton of people use and you can get them like pre-shredded, lots of things. I, for some reason, am so, well, I have my reasons, but I'm so opposed to pre-cut carrots because they don't taste as good, right? And a 50 pound sack of carrots is like $12, right? So so there's another thing like, you are going to add labor to get to the peeling and the cutting and washing the things you want, but the input of the product is so inexpensive that it's worth it. So you really have to kind of look at each ingredient um, for its own merits and and, Obviously, you know, does the customer notice it too? And and, carrots for me, something fresh ones are so sweet. So now with that, you said something really interesting. You said they, um, that the customers liked the frozen pita pretty much just as much as they liked the fresh pita. How did you find that out? Did you like put it out there and do, and like take surveys or how did you find out that they liked it? It was most, it was a while ago. That switch actually took place before I was there, but it was mostly intercepts, um, a little tougher to track sales because it was a giveaway. So it's hard to say, um, but mostly intercepts and then really using the the general managers and the store teams to, to talk to their customers, which yeah, they are doing anyway, you know, in most places. Um, so that's super important, but kind of yeah. gathering feedback that way. Cause, cause I know that, you know, I, uh, there's another Mediterranean restaurant that I, that I go to and they got rid of their pitas, like not like totally got rid of it. And they replaced it oh. with like a really dry pita. And I was so sad because the pita was like my favorite <laughs> thing on the menu and to replace it with something that wasn't even like comparable. It, was, it went from like a tortilla to like a pita, like a, like yeah. a little, little thin, like burrito wrap. And I was like, Oh, bummer. But it I is think the worst when some when that like that thing gets taken away and you're like, I would have bought it. I would have done these other things. I know. And I will publicly say noodles and company, you got rid <laughs> of your peanut sauce. I am calling you out. I'm throwing you under the bus. That peanut sauce was the reason I went to noodles and company. <laughs> and it made me so sad. And anyway, I Facebooked them and they were like, sorry try something else. And I'm like, okay, well, I will try something else. I'll try your, the, the restaurant next door to you. That's what I'll try. <laughs> anyway. So, um, but in thinking about it in, in terms of like us at home and, and at work, how do we, why is it important for us to really realize what we're eating? I mean, especially you're talking to a bunch of restaurant people here, by the time they get home, they are probably done right cooking and they don't want to deal with like the peanut gallery of cooking for their family and you know very few people can still love have that passion for cooking uh when they do it all day every day and they have people complain about it on yelp and like you know what i mean so (laughs) yes so talk to me about what what do we do at home molly so here's the thing is that i for i mean literally until this year i was that person like i was the shoemaker whose children have bare feet. Like I would cook all day and I would come home and I'd be like, listen to McDonald's. <laughs> I would be like, I'm having cereal for dinner. Y'all do what you want. And my two-year-old's like staring at me like, mom, I can't even reach the fridge. Like, how am I going to do what I want for dinner? Right. And it's so it was just the stress because it's like, oh, I have to make you guys something. But like, I am, I'm done with food for today. Um, so Interestingly, it all comes full circle. And this is why, you know, all the time I spent in restaurants is such incredible training is because never, ever 
has there ever been a successful restaurant in the face of history where the owner, the chef, whoever walks in in the morning is like, huh, what are we going to make today? Not a thing that happens, right? But people do that in their homes every day of the week. And so no wonder it's making them insane. So it's as, it's as simple as like writing out a plan and then making sure your plan, you look at it and you're like, well, I'm not going to create Thai food from scratch on Monday and tacos on Tuesday and make homemade pizza on Wednesday, even if that's what I'd love to be eating for dinner, you know, like, guess what kids, Wednesday is chicken and broccoli and that's dinner. So I think the plan is really the biggest part and then having it written and somewhere where you can see it. So, you know, it's there just like a restaurant, right? There's all these tools, there's all these prep sheets and order guides and timelines for like, okay, dinner service has to be ready to go in the line at four o'clock, right? You know, and at home, we just don't put these sorts of structures in place and then it's hard to stay organized. Well, and if you don't have the plan and you don't have the ingredients and it's like, hey, I'm on my way home and in order for my wife to make this meal, I've got to stop by the grocery store and pick up these five ingredients or I can just grab some Wendy's and (laughs) the kids will be happy and the wife will, you know, will get what she wants and I'll get what I want and no one has to cook easier for everyone faster. And, you know, like when, when you make the decision ahead of time, it's a lot easier to abide by that decision because you prep for it, you plan for it, you think about it, you know, in restaurants in business, and yeah, in life, like my, my wife does the same thing. She does a, every Sunday, she'll do a meal, a meal plan and like yeah. prep for the week. And that way it's like, I also know what to expect, which is really nice. Cause if she's making a bigger dinner, I'll have a lighter lunch. Right. If I yeah. know that I'm getting like, you know, uh, a lentil soup, then great. I'm going to five guys for dinner um, for lunch. Right. It's <laughs> like, so, so I, I love that idea of, you know, prepping, planning and thinking ahead. Now in terms of like, actually making it good for you right (laughs) so talk to us about some of we we all know that we should eat healthy but i don't know if we all realize why you know like why is it important to to eat healthy because sure i don't want to get fat but beyond that it's like kind of (laughs) like all right i just want to fuel right well okay so honestly i could talk about this for like three days so i won't do that i think the one thing, um, cause you're generally a healthy guy, you know, I think there are a lot of us who are walking around like, well, I'm, I'm generally healthy, right? I'm doing fine. I think the one most interesting thing I've learned about why our food is so important is there's a whole new body of research coming, coming through about how our guts talk to our brains. Um, some researchers are even calling your gut microbiome, your psychobiome, because it's such a strong connection. So it's really fascinating to go back and look at how you actually feel. Like sometimes you wake up in the morning, you're like, God, I'm just having an off day and I don't feel myself and I'm grumpy and I'm like snapping at the kids, you know? And then you, for me, um, I'm just very sensitive to sugar. So like, I'll look back the night before and be like, oh my gosh, I had like way more sugar than yesterday. And not only does it kind of dampen, for me, it dampens my energy levels, but then I'm grumpy. Mm. And so once you start to recognize, like, this is very real, this has been written up all over. I just read something about it in the wall street journal. Like this information is all over the place, but once you internalize it and you're like, Oh wow, my food is doing more than giving me energy. It's controlling how I'm thinking and how I'm feeling. It's like, then you really want to start, just start digging into, you know, what it means for each individual. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, just as 
as people get super stressed, they'll puke, right? It, when they get like so stressed, they'll get. <laughs> I don't you know, know that make... I've ever been that stressed. No. Okay. Well. Did, well, yeah, but well, I won't want to eat. I, I can absolutely see like I'm too like I don't puke, but I I get the butterflies. Yeah, I get the butterflies, <laughs> right? But but like I feel on on the flip side of things, you know, if it works from the brain to the stomach, it makes total sense that it works from the stomach to the brain. Right. Yep. And having that connection, um, I, I've actually never even thought about it the other way around. But yeah, that makes total sense of what you put in affects not just your your physiology, but your psychology. Yeah, Very it's cool. fascinating. Um, cool. Molly, I think we could talk about that like all day, but I would love to <laughs> I'd love to get what what is like your final piece of advice to, to restaurant owner operators out there? I mean, I think um, everything about you know, recent events has made people more interested in their health and more interested in their immunity and just really bolstering their own good health. Um, And I think one way that restaurants can support that is just a lot of transparency in their ingredients um, and talking about ingredients they have that are sustainable, that are grown in the right ways, because those have health benefits on down the line that I think people are just going to become more and more interested in. Love that. So here are my takeaways for today. Number one, uh, when you're looking at your menu, ask, how can you simplify it? Remove extra steps, pay attention, uh, but make sure that customers still like it. Two, make a plan just as you would like make a menu at a restaurant, make a menu for your life. And uh, mm-hmm. it makes things easier to, to, to choose healthy uh, because three, the gut and the brain are connected. And so what we put in will affect us. Uh, four, yes. be transparent about your ingredients. I love that, especially now people are looking for, you know, they're looking for that healthy opportunity, but it's oftentimes hard to do that. Um, And then lastly, when you're cleaning on Saturday, put on some tunes. (laughs) The most important. Most important. (laughs) Anyway, Molly, how do people find you, follow you? Um, I'm at Lightwork Kitchens on Instagram, uh, Facebook, or you can find me on LinkedIn, same thing. Awesome. Lightwork Kitchens. Well, Molly, for being such a great voice in the restaurant community and in the health community, today's ovation goes to you. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Zach. Glad you're with us today. And thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.